Nice doggy, nice doggy. Walk away, walk away. Welcome to episode 326 of Texting, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. It's another Saturday in the Batcave with Jason, and I'd love to know what's going on in your life, Jason. What's going on? Well, you're the one who wanted this show so badly. I'm assuming you got some news. Is there some news about the project, the widget? No, actually. Not, no, Nothing? I, 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 you're just, just not ready to share? It was, it was just because we had um, not done a show two weeks ago so mm. we'd, we'd skipped out i thought you know had it been how long is how long has i think it it's a month now yeah no really mm-hmm. okay yeah I, I i assumed when you were when you were itching to do a show i said okay he's got he's got he's no, got an I announcement wasn't, i was uh, i wasn't itching to do a show i was like i was like begrudgingly oh, i guess i should reach out and ask if he wants to do a show <laughs> <laughs> well how well now that we're on the topic how how was progress uh, well, I haven't like plugged in plans and pricing or anything like that. Um, I've been, uh, I'm sort of like, you know, I'm, I'm moving forward to, to, to sort of get it out there. I'm not quite ready. You hear your dog's coming up here again. Hello, doggy. Nice doggy. Nice doggy. Walk away. Walk away. Okay. Well, you, you said that you were, um, that you had a beta customer too, that were trying out your site. Well, one guy was trying to site and he was running into some errors right away. You said, of course. He ran into some errors, and then you actually he was running some errors while we were actually recording the last show. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. He, like things were working. You were able to get all that fixed. Uh, yes, that that is fixed. In fact, the the system. I mean, I don't really mind sort of talking about what the product is at this point. Okay. Um, you know, by by the time this show is released, I I will have like the homepage up and running, and people can sign up. But they're just going to be able to sign up to apply to use it. Okay. I'm not. I, I'm not. It, it's not like plugged into like an account, you know, where you can sort of sign up, basically give me, give me your use case, tell me about who you are and what you want to use it for. And then if that sounds like something that's worth testing out, I'll, um, I'll give you an account. Okay. Does that so make we sense? want to talk about, yeah, sure. Is? Go ahead. Yeah. Well, uh, so the product is speak. Um, the name of the product is speak. the name of the product is speak. S P E A K. Yeah. Um, and so what, what it enables you to do is to put, uh, as you well know, um, to add a, a line of uh, JavaScript to your site. Mm-hmm. And um, once that JavaScript widget is on your site, you can go to any of your web pages and record a presentation. Right. So, um, you know, let's say you've got a SaaS app and you've got a dashboard and you want to on- be- onboard people onto your dashboard. You know, so you can go to your dashboard and you can, a little, there's a little um, editor at the top of your website. It's like a recorded stop and play. Yeah. It's, it's like a thing. So you can just say hit record, the record button. And then you can start moving the cursor around, scrolling yeah. around, talking, and it's recording all of that. That exactly, yeah. <laughs> so it's like sort of screen recording, except within one single web page. Right. So it records your mouse movements, and it records your voice, and it records your it records the scrolling and moves around the page. So basically, it's like as if you know when you're actually showing someone your web product, your SaaS product, or whatever. Like the best scenario is if they're just sitting next to you and you're just showing them on the computer. It's basically right. that. It's just, are, they're, are they're just controlling the screen sharing? They're controlling the screen. They're and doing saying, screen okay, sharing, yeah. Somehow. So it's basically like a, a, a canned screen share in a sense. Exactly. And yeah. so uh, the other way, the way to do this before was you would take a, you do a screencast mm-hmm. of everything. You would save it as some kind of a movie file. Yeah. And then they would have to play it. Maybe you'd have a link to like a YouTube uh, with the video on YouTube or something. They might play it there on YouTube or Vimeo. That's right. So it's, it's, so it would be, yeah, it, it, you'd either have to... <clears throat> 
make some UI choices about embedding the video in your site right. or like showing it something like that. Whereas what, what this does is, um, and this is the kind of the reason why it's interesting is there's no video involved. Right. Um, it, it uses your website itself as the canvas of, right. of the recording and it uses jar, it records, um, everything you do and it uses JavaScript itself to play back the actions on your website. Yep. Um, so, you know, when it's, when it's moving the pointer around the screen, it's JavaScript saying it's, it's a timeline yeah. and then JavaScript saying, you know, move, move the so pointer. It's extremely lightweight. It's, extremely it's, it's super lightweight, but, but also it, it, it cuts out a lot of the production yeah. cycle, you know, because so you, you could go down, you could, you could sit down and record uh, a walkthrough on 10 different pages. Yeah. Probably in an hour total and be done. Right, basically, and it all exactly. and it'd be live, be ready to go. It's not like editing, just recording and editing and pushing up to a site and linking to it. And it's so painful that people just aren't going to do it. They're like, ah, it sounds like a big project. Yeah. It's going to take weeks of thinking how I do this. You can just sit there and go to a website. You, stick, you, you go to your web page and you just click record and just oh, hey, well, okay, so here's on the page. This is what you want to do, and this is this is what's interesting. If you click here and you do this, bang, 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 and then you're done. Yeah, that's it. And it works. It works really well. I mean, it has it has its caveats because. Um, you know the way that the mouse uh, movement's done is it's by it's bound to the DOM elements, yeah. Right. So obviously that's kind of interesting. So it 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 has responsive playback, so you can like change the you can change the width to like a mobile size, or you can change it to. It full also size. works and it, like break, basically, yeah. well, so the voice doesn't really care about that. Sure. And the scrolling, it works that out based on sort of whereabouts it thinks the mouse should be on the screen. So the scrolling's done that way. Mm -hmm. And it works the mouse based on, you know, when you were recording, like what element were you hovering over? Yeah. And so it sort of plays back from that perspective. The complicated part, and this is what I was working on with, um, uh, I forget his name now, but he's the math whiz. Okay. Um, but anyway, it, it's like moving between the elements. So if you record at like a large width and then you scroll it down to a smaller width, um, you know, what happens if the elements sort of reshuffle themselves? How does the ma how does the cursor know how to get from one element, element to the other? Right. You know, and uh, yeah, and it's it looks pretty good. Uh, you know, it, it does it does all that stuff. I think it looks really good. It's really clean. Oh, slick. It's very nice. slick. Yeah. Um, but there's there's obviously a billion edge cases which I haven't encountered because it's only been tested on one site. Right. <laughs> so right. that's why you know I sort of want I don't want to just like put it out there. Anyone can sign up and use yeah, it. Yeah. Well, you know, that's I want to handhold people who you know, use you get it. One or two people, first it's one, then it's five, then 20. You just, yeah, the typical beta scale up and you'll run into this problem. I mean, but another thing is like, it requires a different kind of headspace um, to create this than a video. Like, so, so to, to do a good speak, you know, it sort of requires you thinking about things in a different way. So for example, um, let's say you were doing a dashboard that had some, um, that had some uh, dynamic content, right? Well, depending on, because you know how sometimes when you come into a dashboard the first time, it sort of looks one way and they're sort of just telling, you, you know, they're not showing you content, they're sort of showing you blank panels or something like yeah, that. Yeah. And then once you've got some content, it's showing you content. So you sort of have to think around that, you know, what's the experience gonna be? Um, I mean, it's fine if, for example, the first time they sign up to the dashboard, it shows them spoof content in the same right. HTML containers. That's not a problem. But if it actually changes between the two sign-ins, well, I, th I think I think this kind of thing. We mostly, like you said, it's either for going to be it's as part of a sales, part of sales or, or onboarding. So people yeah. a conversion and as an onboarding. Well, In either case, you're dealing either with you know fixed pages, like this is what's you know fixed content pages, sales pages, right? 
Yeah. Or you're talking about, a, you know, demo or at least a intro content. So I don't know. It shouldn't be too big a problem. Well, I mean, I, I already have it. So because obviously I, I've, I speak to speak, you know. Yeah. So I already have it where you can pass through JavaScript parameters to it to sort of so that it knows what page it's recording on. So you can, because you know how normally a dashboard, if you're in a logged in state and a logged out state, it's always just on the forward slash. It's on the top level of the domain. You right. Know, you know that way, right? Yeah. So you go to like domain.com and you're not logged in and you see their homepage. You go to domain.com and you are logged in and then you see the dashboard. Yeah. Well, so I've got it so that you can like fire Java, you can fire JavaScript and tell it, this is the path that I want it to record as, you know? Yeah. Yes. So, so that way you can sort of, you know, you can you can easily tweak it for those different states and do different speaks for those different states. But something else that's very cool already that it does is it enables you to record a personal welcome to someone. So let's say you let's say you sell um, a, you, you've got like a high a high value SaaS, you know, like a hundred bucks a month, say, you know, hundred to five hundred bucks a month. Well, you can you can record a personal onboarding. You know, hey hey Jason, how are you doing? Thanks so much. This is the first. I know this is the first time you've logged in. I, um, you know, I know that you were interested in these features, so this is where you look at. So I think that's an interesting use case. Well, so what? So the 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 one guy who was using a site is he still using it, or what's going on? With well, that? he's he's still still using it. He's a texting listener, but really, it's been it's been up to me to um, go ahead and t and test stuff out. <laughs> and right. you know what? I haven't really uh, done too much for that um, because I don't have a good excuse to be honest. Um, I'm sort of a little. Uh, I'm a little frustrated in my mind about the product because it's you you made a valid point which is um you know as we've been speaking about it which is you shouldn't sort of determine how people are going to use it you know you don't quite know how people are going to use it let them let them determine how they're going to use it yeah. and that's quite a valid point and you know the more i think about this product the more i realize there is actually a million different uses you know and it's really i'm just not quite sure what market so it it's Unfortunately, it is a, a, a solution looking for a problem, mm -hmm. you know, and I hate, right, which is what I, I hate to, to be with, in that position, yeah. you know, but it is a solution looking for a problem. Um, but, you know, in the same way that like when a computer was created, it was a solution looking for a problem, like no one knew what to do with computers in the first place, you know, they sort of just started finding things to do with them, right? No, they actually did. If you're talking about the ENIAC and stuff, they needed to compute. Well, uh, there was like firing tables and things like that. They I'm had, they had, they had. So like in the Manhattan Project and stuff, like they were trying to calculate all this stuff with the well, with the bomb, and they had like rooms full of these women calculators who do it by hand. So they they did they have solved, they solved that problem. Well, so they, actually, so they was, did have use cases. For I'm it, sort of it? thinking back to like the Steve Jobs movie where he's like calling people and he's saying, "Okay, imagine a typewriter mixed with a television." You know, okay. he's like. Sort of trying to explain. Okay, you're talking about the personal computer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What are people going to use a personal computer for? Right, not exactly. Okay. Yeah. Well, so okay, so yeah, I mean, I, I think the answer, of course, is you just release it, and you don't mm. get too much caught up in the event of release, which is something we talked about a few yeah, shows yeah, ago. Yeah. And I said, like, don't get all caught up in that. Just say, look, let me just release it out there and see how people use it. And the reality is, there's pro there's a certain amount of randomness to it. Like, you just you might so happen that the first few people that want to use it might want to use it in a certain way. And it may not be that reflective of how other people use it, but you start going in that direction. But I think in the end, you'll get some sense of like what your initial addressable market will be. And then and then that doesn't define how it's going to be over time. It just means for the first six months or year, it might be the primary use case is, you know, helping uh, landing pages, conversion on landing pages. Well, but, but let, let me just show you how, I mean, you probably already know this, but I'm just going to say this to state this for the people listening. 
like you know one use case could be inboarding so you so a company could use it rather than for selling or for anything else they could use it just for internal people who are looking at a product for the first time to just explain their product to new employees mm -hmm. you know like so that's one possible use case another possible use case could be for development so like you could plug this into your website and then as you're doing development on your website you get your QA guy to go and look at the page and then he just records a speak explaining what's wrong with it showing you know talking about what bugs troubleshooting are kind of yeah stuff. troubleshooting I think right. there's a lot of uses and I think <laughs> in the end you're just going to have to kind of evolve with it. I mean, one of the things you might have to do is you might have to do a little bit of selling in the sense that you have to go in and sit down with people and try and convince them to try and use it for some of the stuff there and see how it goes. I was just listening to an interview or uh, yeah, it was a one of the podcasts I like to listen these days is Masters of Scale by Reid Yeah, Hoffman. I know you mentioned that. Yeah. And it was um, it was a one with it was called the Big Pivot and it was about Slack. And uh, Stuart Butter Butterfield is that the guy who uh, who started it? anyway, he um he was talking about how, you know, they initially were creating this game called Glitch, and then they ran out of money, and they were, or they were going to run out of money, they realized that, that they were going to have to kill it. And so they figured, look for something that they monetize that they build, and they said, hey, you know, maybe one thing that we could do is this internal communication tool, which was Slack. And they said, all right, so they went around to all of the companies that they knew people they'd advise or had friends there or whatever. And it took a lot of work to get people to use Slack. Yeah, a lot of work. Yeah. And now you think, oh, well, anyway, she's like, yeah. no, no, no. He, he, like he said, he said it was. He said it was surprising how hard it was to get people, convince people to use it. To, to, to even test it in the first place. I mean, that's the whole thing about the um, technology adoption curve, right? So the people, the the innovators who are at the very beginning of the curve, they don't actually care if the technology solves a big problem. They're just excited about the potential of a new technology. They're, and they're technology enthusiasts. Yeah. Like yeah. so, and and so that's sort of where I'm at right now. I need to be interacting with people who think, huh, that's a really cool new way of working with the web. Let me try to try, try and do stuff. Yeah. So, so we've been talking about, so what have you been doing the last few weeks? What's, what's been, what have you been focusing on? Are you just kind of sewing up some loose ends, technical you, loose well, ends? Well, yeah, just, just sort of really making it work properly. Um, you know, obviously my other day job, yeah. um, you know, my, the rest of my life, okay. um, just, just all, all the different stuff. And, but really thinking this this stuff through, you know, just thinking about this, like what is the next best move? There's so many different possible moves. I mean, when you when you consider that the same technology could be used um, to do uh, like onboarding, as could be used to do um, internal bug fixing type stuff, mm -hmm. like that they are poles apart in terms of markets and customers and and how you get there. So I think the main thing is I've just been thinking. How am I going to inch forward with this product um, and get people to test it without, well, I think, I without think being silly or just, you know, just... Well, I think, I think the way you do it is casually at first, which is that you have the tech, our texting listeners, you want to try it out. We have a lot of, we have, we have a broad audience of users who do all kinds of different things and probably have, uh, you know, uh, I don't know whether it's going to be four or five or 20 or 30, will say, hey, I can use it for this, I can use that. And then you might get some sense of it. Just like, don't worry about controlling well, the experience. So, so you, well, agreed. So, so there's something that I did was I posted it to Founder Cafe. Uh -huh. And um, I got a lot of um, people testing, l looking at the, at the demo that I did. Um, and I've got some interesting stats about how many people from Founder Cafe looked at it. And, you know, I'm it's already recording stats of like, you know, how many people, how many people pl click play and how many people get to completion and how many people sort of drop off halfway through or whatever. Right. This was an eight minute presentation. Uh-huh. And um, 
a surprising at least 50% of people watched the whole eight minutes, which I was like, what wow. the, what? that's wow. crazy, you know? Um, but from all those people, just one um, was really excited about it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, there were about 30, 30 people watched it, you know, mm -hmm. from there. Just one was really excited about it, but still didn't, didn't want to kind of get involved with it until it worked on mobile. So then I had to sort of start making it work on mobile, which it does now, except for Android. Okay. Um, and it, what does work on Android, the only thing it doesn't do is scroll. And I don't have a way to test. I don't have an Android thing. And I tried installing Android on my local computer and it doesn't replicate it in any way. So I don't know. Um, but yeah, so I was a little disheartened by that, you know, the, of that SaaS Yeah, you seem community. like you don't have the same level of uh, bursting enthusiasm. Yeah, because, you know, I, and, and I think it's all about this adoption curve. It's about innovators. So there's no good reason to think that people in Founder Cafe who have SaaS businesses are innovators. You know what I mean? They're just regular people who want to use something once it's proven. Mm -hmm. So that's where my sort of pullback of enthusiasm is, is I, I'm realizing, just like you just said about Slack, about how difficult it is to get people to use it. I'm sort of there, but I've got a double thing because Slack is just one thing. Slack is not a, a new technology class. It's not a new Mm. Un underlying product of technology that, that, that didn't exist before. And this is, it can be, you know, Slack could just be one thing that it does kind of thing. So that's yeah. why I'm a little bit overwhelmed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think if you, I think if you just see the, I think this happens to probably most founders is that the actual releasing of a product and right before it is kind of depressing because it never really lives up to this imagined celebratory event oh it's called the and, trough of sorrow yeah. yeah and so you just have to push through it and i think the i think the thing is is you keep your expectations down really low and just said all this is going to be about this may last a while is finding customers yeah. iterating through it getting your first dollar that's that's really and and that's and that's another reason why i'm kind of like annoyed <laughs> it's like i really wanted this to be like to launch and be like hit you know hit five grand or 10 grand and then that's where we start but it's not because i can't i don't know what it is yet mm -hmm. and so i i've already started building features into it like tracking how many plays it gets and like an open prompt system uh you know but that sort of skews it towards the sales use case and i'm just really not sure but for example with sales um the only test that i've done right is on this um this friend's website you know how like uh what an open prompt is so basically you know how drip like sort of comes up and sort of yeah. the widget comes up. And so there could be any number of ways that this does an open prompt. It could be a pop-up, it could slide in, it could slide out, it could, it could do anything. And when I actually sat down to start designing that, I was like, what actually should this be? If it's an infinite amount of possibilities and there's, there's no research based on a tool like this. Mm -hmm. um, and it needs to compete with other widgets that are available on the site. So anyway, I did, I did come up with one and it sort of comes down from the top left from the top left and it, it really sort of it's really obvious but um on the only test that it's been in is on a completely cold landing page where no one knows the product someone's just sort of googled and ended up there and there's only like 10 people landing there a day um and it's got um you know with me recording a speak like a, a one minute speak about about this product um and my face there's like a 15 percent play rate basically 15% of users who get to that page play rate. Now, when they when they play it, it's basically 100% completion rate, which is kind of interesting. But um, it's really not a lot of stats. And you know what I did? What I did um, 
just yesterday was another test. I uploaded a good-looking guy, mm-hmm. his picture rather than mine, and I wanted to see if that made a difference. And so far, it's basically the same. It's fifteen percent. So I guess I need to run another test, which is like put a good-looking, you know, girl on there, and you know. So, but it's sort of like not my expertise, you know. Yeah. Like what? What? That's why sort of for this type of stuff, I need some really great marketers to test it out. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, I yeah, exactly. Well, that's true. But also, it's see the whole thing about. If you worry too much about about it, you think too much without yeah. with too little information, which is what you're doing now. <laughs> yeah. You what you start doing, you start adding features because they might be useful. Right. Instead of instead of actually responding to what people want, because it could turn out. You know, that's, a lot of times I'll say like, you don't have to have a great idea. You could just have a decent idea, a good idea that's in the vicinity of a great idea. Mm-hmm. It could turn out. For instance, you know how like these these pop up sales. We just on all these sites we talk about, right? That's clearly something that's very, very common, right? You go to a website, and after 10 seconds, this pop-up comes up and says, hey, subscribe to right, New York right. Times or whatever. And, well, what if it could turn out that a lot of your product is more than what people need? What they want to do is they want that, but they want voice with it. Like, that's all they want. I, well, that's, you, yeah. That's it. And it's like... Or they just want voice. Yeah, but that's it. <laughs> And so it's like eating, adding anything beyond that is is just burning time and per, essentially a, a type of procrastination. Well, what what, what I've realized is is that um, like the the part that I do really enjoy is the technology part of it. Yeah. Um, and the technology itself could be uh, very very cool in one way. So so I've I've it's got a, a timeline. Type system, so I've showed yeah. you that. So basically, it's it's a frame based timeline mm-hmm. system. So it 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 acts like media, but it isn't media. So there's no e- embeddable object or something, but it still has the same concepts as media. So you with the playhead, you can drag backwards and forwards and watch a presentation. Well, what I realized is is that I could make it, and honestly, without a lot of effort, make it so that you could add JavaScript at any point in the timeline, and then that just opens up so much you know right, right. like it basically opens up anything so yeah. basically you can you can have like a timed presentation you can plonk javascript onto the timeline so so for example the demo i was talking to you about and i was saying how you know you needed you needed to think about things differently well you kind of wouldn't need to if it was a if it was a developer driven demo because a developer driven demo could add javascript that reset states of the page and you know as you drag the timeline backwards it would like it would remove data out of out of the form, and as you play the presentation, it might type data into the form as all, all as part of the demo. So you could do some incredibly clever stuff, and so that's that's another thing I've been wondering. You know, should I sort of go down go down more of a like a super technical route? I, I don't think so. I mean, I, I just think that's a mistake. I just don't. That's know. just a form of procrastination. Maybe that's just a way of. I think I think really what you want to do is not spend too much time thinking about see what people put out there. Well, I think it was Derek Sivers talked about. It's like these universities would pave the paths, pave the sidewalks, and then there'd be these, and then like a year later, you'd see like this worn dirt path through the grass, which is where (laughs) everyone really wanted to walk. Yeah. You know, and then it was sort of too late. It's like you really want to wait and see where people walk first and then put down the pavement. Well, but people couldn't even walk there if there was no way to add JavaScript, for example, just as an example. Then people couldn't walk down that path. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, I think you you want to get the simplest thing out there in the hands of people using it. And this, I think the simplest thing is probably going to be sales conversion, something just for like landing pages. 
because the people say, selling stuff on the internet is like you one of your biggest markets, right? I mean, there's so many different. Yeah, I mean, even just that one thing. But just pick that. Just, 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 just like uh, focusing in on that one thing. Well, I, I would pick that, but I was terrified to see the 15% play rate on the cold landing page. And that, that's the reason why I was like, that made me second guess that because to me, 15% is really low play rate. But maybe I just don't know because I'm not a marketer. Maybe that's actually really good. Maybe that's typical video play rate. I don't know. Well, well why do you have to hit play? Why don't you just automatically go? Well, you could, well, firstly, that's technically not possible because okay. audio is not, because people okay. used to do that and people hate that so much. But so, so the other thing is I'm dealing with, when, when people watch this, um, they, pretty much everyone who's seen it has been like, wow, you know, like yeah. that, that's, that's cool. But the people who are landing on a sales page don't know that this is not video. They don't know that it's not a usual right. experience, like some kind of interruptive experience. And they don't know that it's a kind of in the flow experience where it's just completely on the web page. So it's it's not just educating the buyers; it's educating the sellers that this is a new concept. And you know, again, another thing that makes me think, hmm, that's difficult. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, I get it, just get it out there. I just get your expectations down, so you're not too worried about it, and you just go with go with the flow. In a sense, right? You know, just wait, see what people <coughs> are asking for. I think the one thing that I'll do, so I'll, yes, yeah, so I'll, I'll make it available that, that you can, you know, um, go to the homepage of speak, speakhq.co, speakhq.co, go to that homepage and you can apply to test it out. And if you're a texting listener, the answer is yes, you can test it out. Just give us your, your name and email uh, from the homepage. And, um, but I think one thing I'll do is I'll start a blog using this technology. Um, and then I'll just try and do some really good blog posts so that, mm. so that, a lot of people see the technology in really good blog posts. Mm. That's that's my next best guess, and that's not really driving it one way or another. Yeah. And it's I'm I can't think of a better name than Splog, you know, because it's a spoken blog. <laughs> I can't think of a better I'm name. Not sure that's the best name. But I mean, okay. but I don't know. What well, else. I don't I don't know. I mean, I, I just just I I just don't just don't overact to any any disappointment to say well that means I need to go to six months to re-engineer the thing. Yeah, like, yeah. I well, think there, gotta, there is no, give, yeah. Yeah, you know, like, oh, I got to go and add all this really complicated technical stuff. It's like, no, no, you know. It's already complicated, um, you know. The, the, but you the, just said a minute ago, you the, you talk about going down the, or making it super technical. Well, I, I, like I, no, actually, to the, the, the hard work's done. Um, doing something like adding new things onto a, so just, just, just talk you through a few more ideas like this. And, and it's, it's not super technical for me, but it's just that it would enable developers to work with it. So being able to add JavaScript to the timeline, which then just extends to, well, if you can add like a piece of JavaScript to the timeline, that should kind of be like a, a, a module or a plugin or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, we, so, so you, you just could, explain this, right? This is right, right, but, right. But, but what that could be is that could be, I don't know, a pop-up that captures someone's email address. Yeah. And then it's not, it's not too far away to think, well, maybe we'll just have like a library where developers can contribute to modules to speak. So, you know, any developer can come along and add an app or a plugin, and then any regular person can just go ahead and drop that plugin somewhere on the timeline. That plugin might be something like to capture someone's email address into Drip. Mm -hmm. So then, then the work would be to just integrate it with Drip and all the other players and create lots of plugins that you could use with this system. So it becomes easier, actually, for the, for the end user, but slightly more technical as a kind of concept. Mm -hmm. And I don't really see how... 
you get to that place by just putting something simple out there and testing it with people. You know, that that place comes because you sort of make a an educated guess like, yeah, I think that could be a good a good approach to do with this. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, like I said, get it out there. Uh. Just react. So we'll see we'll see what happens. All right. Yeah, turn that frown upside down. <laughs> How, how about anything going on with uh, Nugget or any, any of that stuff? Or well, I'm, I'm Nuggeteers. So I want to. Um, uh, well, the, the the a couple of people were doing well, but they but stuff happened for their life in their life, okay. so they they couldn't um, couldn't work on it, uh, not for a few months. Um, but Nugget, I want to I want to reopen it, but I want to do it using Speak as a like I I think I can use Speak as a sales tool to get a lot more signups with Nugget. Okay. But with Nugget, I'm kind of like, you know, I don't want to just flip-flop like that. I kind of want to just focus on one thing at a time. Once I've got something uh, moving forward with Speak, then I'll go back into Nugget. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's where I'm at with that. Okay. I mean, this, I still regularly talk to people in there, and they're still using it, and they're still, you know, moving forward. Do you have how many different cohorts? Uh, seven cohorts, yeah. And the uh, how many people are still... So how successful would you say each cohort has been? Has it been like a growing? I, more no, successful I wouldn't say. I, I, I don't think so. I think that a lot of people. I think, I think that getting people to, you can give people the right information, and this is something that's been like a, a fear of mine the whole time. It's just that, it's just the person who's sort of reached this fuck that moment, who's decided, I'm going to really do this. You know, right. like this. It's really difficult to keep people doing it. Mm-hmm. They just kind of give up because it's hard. It's difficult. Right. It's like where people get to like where I'm at right now with speak and then they just it's they just like ah fuck this. I just want to go back to my day job, you know? Like mm. it's too difficult. Right. It's actually incredibly difficult to be an entrepreneur, you know, of any of any kind. Like it's 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 kind of insane. It's insanity. Mm-hmm. As you know yourself. Yeah. No, it's 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 not easy. That's why that's why, like, you know, like, I used to do this years ago. I don't need more. I would, I would sort of encourage people, oh, you should start your own company. And Sandy would be like, what are you, why are you projecting that on other people? Most people, that is not something they really, that they have in them. You know, they're not, it's just. I, I really believe know. that now. I didn't used to believe that. But not I, anybody I, can start a, no. I really believe that not anybody can start a company. It's, it's, I think it really, you have to have this sort of special compulsion you have to have, it's almost like a gene you have that just allows you to sort of ignore reality and just persist yes, and push. Yes, exa- basically. In, in, against all odds. That's, you know? that's what it is. It's, it's persistence against all odds and ignoring reality. Yeah. That's what it is. You kind of, but then at the same time, you have to pay attention to details and pay attention to things that are, that's important information, but you're just like, look, I'm going to make this work one way or another. Right, you, you can't be so far out of being in touch with reality that you do something just really silly, really crazy. Yeah. Like, sure. so it needs to be, somewhat logical and there needs to be some logicalness to it but you also need to ignore the fact that if you're Stuart Butterfield and you're trying to get people to use Slack and no one wants to use it you've just got to keep pushing exactly <laughs> just keep pushing and the other crazy thing is like think about the time when Slack was made I mean there was already you know 20 tools like that you know what's really funny like, <laughs> I find really disingenuous about their stories I heard this over and over in an interview and he always compares like well you know there was the only thing that existed before this was IRC and what and I'm like Hip chat had been around oh, yeah, for like, yeah. a, and he never mentions it. I'm like, that's hilarious. I mean, it's kind of a rip off of hip chat. It's complete rip off of hip and chat. It's like, but you don't yeah. even mention it. It's, it's really disingenuous. That's very strange because 
there was a number of products out there like HipChat that were very specific else, for the workplace. Because well, we used HipChat at Uber for a long time. Uh, I can't remember, but I know, I know that when, I, when I've sort of looked at it, that there was more than that. It wasn't yeah. just HipChat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, Slack. Uh, sorry, uh, Skype. Skype itself had, you know, an IM, an IM feature in a yeah, lot of workplaces. You, yeah, in fact, even when we were very early days at Uber, we actually did have a Skype channel. Right, But exactly. then they migrated after a certain period of time to, to HipChat. But HipChat really did a lot of what Slack does. I mean, Slack has all this integration and all Firebase. these things. Firebase. Sorry, no. Fire. What was the one by Basecamp? Um, Campfire. Campfire, there you go. Campfire, HipChat, they were both out there. Yeah, and there were, I mean, there were probably a lot more, but HipChat was widely used. But Campfire was by 37 Signals yeah, guys who, popular, who yeah. had so many. No, I'm just making the point that that uh, they had so many businesses already in um, Basecamp, right? Yeah. So you would have thought, if anyone has the chance to really snowball this, it's going to be those yeah. guys, you know? Yeah. So it was, yeah, it was funny. I mean, yeah, just, I, I don't know, some things were just worked about it, but it was just so kind of. I just get really annoyed every time I listen to him talk about it. And he just, well, you know, there was definitely, there was, there was IRC, but, you know, if you weren't logged on, there wasn't like a store and forward of messages. I'm like, what the hell are you guys talking about? It's crazy. Like, I just like, be, at least be honest and say, well, you know, we, we used ChipChat, we saw, but we didn't but like it. But it doesn't look bad. That doesn't look bad on him. I mean, it's, it looks better. I think he probably, I think, I think, I think it feels a lot better to say we innovated on something that existed that was very primitive and lacked a lot of the major features. Then we really took something that was already working. We just did our own spin on it, and it's with a with a different UI and some, you know. I don't know why that would be bad to say because that is really difficult to do. Well, all I can do, all I can tell you is that I've listened to at least two interviews with him, and he never mentions HipChat. And I oh. find I just like I just like you know what that's just. And and that's the interesting thing about Speak is, I mean, as far as I and everyone else I've spoken to, there hasn't been anything like this before. Well, in the day, but in the day, nobody cares if there has been. It doesn't no, matter. They just want to know if it's useful. No, nobody gives a rat's ass. It's yeah. just your it's the it's the interviewer's own um, own ego. Is like, oh, why well, I, I create? But everything that's come is based on something that came before it. Because if it wasn't, it'd be so different. People wouldn't even understand it and have would have no interest in using. It. Everything well, is just a an iteration, an evolution on something that came before. Actually, I was mentioning it as a weakness, not a strength. I, I, again, yeah, well, it is. Again, yeah. I feel like it's it's a pain in the ass that that it it. Yeah, well, that's there's the whole... nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing to to that that I can sort of look at and go, ah, there's a playbook. That's that's another reason why I've been depressed because that's like it's like what the fuck. You well, know? that's yeah. Well, that's again. That's, and I I said this to you early on. I said it's it's like a solution looking for a problem. And they right. have a lot of potential solutions, but you're like trying to figure out where am I going to hook in, and it doesn't seem like that's an issue until you actually get to that point, and then you're like, oh crap, you know. And um, yeah, it's you know. I but again, you just like we said, you just have to persist and push through it. All right, let's switch. Let's switch gears. Um, sure. So, any uh, any stories? Anything you wanna? Wait, no. It's we've just done me. Let's do you. <laughs> let's do you. What's going on? Uh, let's see. So, um, all right. Um, I guess first thing I'll talk about is you know I'll talk a little bit about the crypto trading. Yeah. Okay. Stuff. So, um, it was uh, me and, 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 and a friend of mine, James, and our third friend joined in um who um i i don't want to give names because i don't i don't know these guys in the high virtue trade do world. i know no i okay. oh, mean yeah you do yeah I think you do. okay 
But I, I don't know. People, I think I know who it is. But anyway, they, they don't. On. They don't like to. They like to keep things really quiet about what they're doing. Yeah. So, anyway, um, we were waiting for his non-compete to to expire and all that kind of stuff. And so now he's he's on board. And um, so now it's kind of really kind of not pushed up a notch in terms of the level of the intensity. Cool. Um, and they're they're working on the research framework, and. My my our first priority right now is to get the data, and then build a research research framework on top of it. So it's like, okay, how do you, you know, how how do you figure out what strategies you're going to use, and how do you test them and optimize them, and all that kind of stuff. So they're building their next gen sort of research framework, the one they've been dreaming of for years. You know, they're like, okay, this if we really did it, if we really built it from scratch, what would it be like? Everything we've learned over all the years, mm. and so that's what they're working on. And they're using a language called Julia. Have you? I've heard of it. Yeah, I, I, I don't I know if I brought it up it. in the show. Yeah. So Julia is, it looks kind of like, it looks kind of Python-esque. There are no classes, though. It's just functions. And I mean, you can have objects, you know, or structures, I guess, kind of like C. Um, but this is, but it's sort of like, it's almost like Python or Go. Is it a without, functional programming language? No, it's not functional. It's like, it's yeah. like C or something. Okay. Without pointers. And, um... It's ex apparently extremely fast, but also makes doing um, sort of mathematical, quantitative, intensive stuff really easy. So stuff you might use MATLAB for, mm -hmm. like, oh, I have these matrices and I want to do all these operations. And it'd be a lot more work to do it in Python, but then you'd have a lot more flexibility with Python than if it was in MATLAB, but MATLAB has built-in stuff. Julia is kind of like, it has the speed of C, it has like the ease of use of and flexibility of Python, and it has all the built-in quantitative, you know, libraries and everything, um, and um, I don't know what would you call, yeah, that and support that MATLAB has. So they're doing all that in Julia, and what I'm doing is um, collecting data from the various exchanges. So Are you using your usual C C libraries. C libraries. You use C plus plus for like all your. Oh, for 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 the data collection, I'm using JavaScript because I'm using Node because oh, okay. all of these all of these crypto exchanges they sort of ex it's first of all you have the you have the internet delay there you have a fifty or sixty millisecond delay anyway so doing whether you do it in C or you know JavaScript doesn't make any difference um, and the and, and and sort of like they're all built to sort of be supported by JavaScript. Like JavaScript has web sockets and all stuff. It's just, it's like this native, you know, native communication. Where platform. about, do you mind if I just Go talk ahead. about technical th things? Where, whereabouts is the server based? You're talking about the, um, what server? The, the crypto the, like the, Yeah, the one, yeah. They They're just anywhere, right? They can be anywhere. A lot, there, a lot of them are in EC, different EC2 instances in different places or different services. It's not like, it's not like, you know, when you're trading against a, a known financial exchange like the New York Stock Exchange or something or the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, and you know that their their servers are in a on the fifth floor of a building in the suburbs of Chicago and you're gonna co co-locate your server there, their stuff can move around. You don't know. I want to mention something to you that might be a possible edge. We can cut it out if you want. Go ahead. Um but um I just recently started working with uh Cloudflare. Yeah. Uh, to to a lot of work behind Claire, a, lot, a lot of them have like uh, are behind Cloudflare. I think. Well, the reason why I say that is because Cloudflare have just uh, released a new service where you can put JavaScript uh, workers onto their edge. Okay. Environment. Okay. So you could do something like 
test the speed to the server and then run run the script from an edge that's only 10, mil, 10 milliseconds away. That's interesting. That is interesting. Right? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. yeah. So um, anyway, I, I, I had built like an initial uh, data recorder for um, uh, Kraken, mm-hmm. which is one of the... You know, there's a lot of exchanges. I, I was going to say it's one so of the many, bigger... So many, yeah. It's, 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 you could say it's one of the bigger exchanges. Maybe it's more of the bigger, more legitimate exchanges that is available to U.S. citizens to trade on. They put it that way. Um, there's a ton of huge exchanges that are like in China and other places, but there's a lot of it have fake volume, and it's just hard to tell exactly. Would you, uh, would you consider playing around with some of the DEXs, the distributed exchanges? Well, you know, the ones that appear to peer? No, that's... I, well, I, do, I doubt that's really a... There's not, I don't think those things have a lot of volume or anything. Oh, like. they do, yeah. There's, there's one that has a lot of volume. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I I mean, really, you're looking for things that have a lot of liquidity and it's very fast back and forth. I mean, right. the, yeah. I mean uh, last thing, last I heard, unless this stuff is happening, this stuff is very slow. Yeah, I think that's probably it's true. It's not really meant for this kind of this kind yeah. of thing. Um, so, so anyway, I wrote to Kraken and then I just finished writing to Binance. Yeah, and everyone initially, I used the the the, the was it the Node Binance API library, but it was funny. It's like a lot of these libraries do a lot of what you want, but it, they don't do exactly what you want in the right way. It just makes life hard. And I got like ninety five percent of the way there, and eventually I'm just like, stop, stop. I can't use it. I just was so frustrated because I was like, you know, if I'm subscribing for the data for like a hundred different pairs, currency pairs. And like something screws up with the book data from one of those pairs, there was no way to just reset that one very easily. It was sort of like you kind of, and like, I mean, you could, but I kind of would have to go behind the scenes and kind of not use their stuff and mess with their data structures. And I'm like, that's just not a good thing to do. It's a repeated pattern that we always find. Try and, we try and do it the right way with the <laughs> libraries, but then you get to the 90% and it's like, I can't. God, man, this whole library is based on just a simple premise of just a connection, a hello, and grab something. I'll just write my own. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So I ended up doing I I was on the verge of it. I was just like, should I just like try and hack into their library and do that? And then I was just like, you know what? Screw it. I just can't live with that. So I ended up just using raw web sockets and it wasn't a big deal and it works perfectly. And now it's all elegant and clean and right. simple. Like I could show you the code, even though you don't have any domain knowledge, you would look at it and be like, oh, that's that's easy, which is what you want the code to look like, right? Yeah. And so I just got that finished up. So now I'm going to be moving on to... Which, other- which begs the question, why is the library not easy? The library was easy to use. It just didn't... But why doesn't their code look like... Easy? Well, they had, their, their code was all in one file. It was right. like 1,500 lines of code. And I mean, it, was, it wasn't bad. I mean, a lot of it looked pretty good, but it was, but it was fairly... It was complicated, you know? It was, it was complicated in the sense that it was dense. And the thing is, though, is, is that when you start messing with other people's data structures and stuff, and you don't exactly know how it's working in all cases, there could be some callback that comes in and does something to the data structure you're not aware of. And, yeah, you know, and you don't want sudden, that for like, something like this. And, if they're right. being, and they were being pretty clever. When people are being really clever in their libraries, it's easy to misunderstand. Yeah, because you've got magical stuff going the on. The order in which stuff is happening, unless you really want to spend a lot of time sort of dissecting their library, That's which one I thing don't I'll want say to, about Laravel like it. is it's it's got a lot of magic that happens. Yeah. Sort of auto magic, you know, like just where if you name something a certain way, 
that gives it a whole bunch of different properties and capabilities. Right. Which is kind of weird. Which in some sense is nice. In other sense, yeah. it's like frustrating when... <laughs> yeah, so I got, I got that done. So that's, that was a big thing. I kind of got... It was funny. I kind of... I got distracted from that because I was really trying to get some Math Academy stuff done and I wasn't making enough progress on it. And um, so I finally just sort of forced myself over the hump got that done so now i'm like all excited about it again <laughs> so now i'm like all right so now it's like now i gotta write the data recorders for you know bitrex and bitfinex and all these other kind of you know and it's it's a lot of work and it's it's a it's a lot of data too i'll tell you what yeah I mean, it's like monster so we're, i'm storing it all so i have ec2 instances for each one of these data recorders and then they store it all and they push it after at the end of the day over to another server gets compressed and you know gets you know, all that kind of stuff so we can use it. So, so I'm excited about that. That's really cool. Making, making progress. But the, um, the main thing of course that I've been working on is the, is math Academy and there's, well, I want to hear about that. Yeah. Why is there a big pile of papers on your desk right here? Solve 2000. Oh, what's that all about? Okay. So those were for, those are the solution sets for the, for solve. For solve. Got it. Right. And I had them lying around. And the reason I had them here is that my, um, niece was visiting oh yeah yeah. and yeah. she she was taking an online calculus course and wanted me to help tutor her i think we probably talked about this in the show how did the train yeah we did yeah how did the tra how's the, her training done is she she's like she, she's gone she, back i and think she's like, I, I don't know if she hasn't taken the final exam but the quizzes and tests that she had taken she had done really well and she did well on her assignments so i think she found it really easy the second time through like we we put a lot of good work in i mean she really came away understanding calc one great I met someone who really wanted to do math, like something like Math Academy, wish that, wish that, it, wish that it existed. Like, um, so let me know when you got it. Because yeah. I, I got a customer for you. What do you mean, like an adult? Like, or yeah, something? an adult who just really wants to just go all the way up. Oh, know, really? Yeah, start at the bottom and go up. It'll be interesting to see if people actually would stick through that. You know, people say that, but it's like, I wonder. It's a lot of work. Learning math is not easy. I mean, yeah. when you're a kid, you kind of have a choice, right? You have to go to class, mom and dad. You're making you good, you know, do it. But, you know, again, an adult, you know, I just wonder, like, can't, you know, how many adults would actually stick through it beyond, like, the initial three weeks? Um, but uh, anyway, so um, so what was one of the things that I ta I've talked a lot about over the years is the algorithm that would control the distributed practice, the space learning Yeah, stuff. the space learning, yeah. And... You know, we'd also talked a lot about the, um, the, the, the hierarchical sort of graph or knowledge graph or, you know, you want to think about like a tree visually of information. It's like, well, when you move to more advanced stuff, how does it, how do you, do you need to review something that's a prerequisite for that thing? Or does reviewing that more advanced thing, you know, count for that? And all we this, all this we spoke about it on the show and you, you showed how on the board you'd, you'd created an algorithm for that. Yeah. So we've worked on that for like three weeks and finally got it all working. And it was funny, like, you know, I mean, we kept refactoring the code and refactoring the code. And, you know, it's interesting. So uh, is, uh, Justin is his name who was helping me and uh, Justin, really bright guy, young guy, he's like 22. And, um, but, you know, he, he writes, he's not a software developer, right? He's getting his master's in computer science. So he writes, it's called a computer scientist, right? <laughs> Which, so it was really interesting when we're writing the code 
and I'm talking like, look, you know, we want to simplify this. We need to be able to comment this. Like this, you have to be self-describing variables, like all this kind of stuff. I'm like, I kept saying, look, you want to be kind to your future self. I mean, yeah. you know, different ways of saying it. Like I want to be, so any idiot can come in and explain this. And that idiot is likely going to be me. Yeah. And I'm going to, it's going to be months or years. And I haven't looked at this and I have to be able to look at it and figure it out. And if it's really clever and complicated, I'm going to just look at it and go, oh, I can't even, I don't Start even, over. I don't even want to touch this. So um, it was funny. We were talking a lot about that. And, you know, I was, we were doing all this refactoring and cleaning up. And I asked him, I said, so what, what's your biggest takeaway from all the things that I say about, you know, how to craft good code and making small, keeping functions small and co objects are loosely coupled and highly cohesive and all these kinds of things. And he's like, the importance of naming. I was like, I said, yeah, that's probably it. I said, because... Because I kept, like, we kept, like, you know, I just don't feel like it's still not the right name. It still doesn't feel right. And then I tried other names and eventually come back to it, like, you know, how about this name? And But then when you hit on the right name, it, 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 it you know it's right because it, everything gets simpler. Like, God, of course that's what it is. Because it's the wrong name. You're like, it's not really, it's not named right and it has these properties that aren't really <laughs> that, in, in line with it. And, uh, two things I want to say about that. One is... That has a cumulative effect and makes it look simpler. And yes, and there's been more than one occasion when I've hired someone, and they've come in and started working on the stuff, and I'm I'm saying <clears throat> it was really difficult to do this. <clears throat> it was really difficult to solve this problem. And they look at the code and they say, "It looks really simple to me." Yeah, <laughs> it's like, exactly. It's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now it looks because simple. of the the names and you know the structure that was really difficult to get it. Right. Really, it's like you know, look at the most extreme example: e equals mc squared. Right. What's the big deal? Like what? <laughs> four characters? Like how hard was that to come up with? Extremely hard, right? I mean, um, yeah, it's 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 absolutely true. I was joking with that about him too, as using uh, that particular example. I was like, you know. You look at this code now, and it's like we look at it. Code. This is not too bad. This is understandable. There were points when I was looking. I'm just like, Jesus, I, I just barely understand what's going on here. Like, okay, what does this function do again? How is it finding figuring out? Because we're like traversing through this graph of nodes and doing all these calculations, and we're using these clever algorithms, and you're just like, ugh. But um, we end up building this huge suite of tests that would really stress it in different ways, and. Um, you know, it was, it was funny. There was a lot of times where you'd get yourself kind of painted into a corner and you'd, I remember like you'd, you'd be sitting there, it'd be the end of the day and you're just like, oh, you just realized that you painted yourself in a corner, right? And you're really frustrated. And then the next day you come back and every time you're like, wait a minute, why don't we just do this? Yeah, I know. <laughs> and like, all the time. You know, it's like, that's the other thing I've learned is we, if you get to the end of the day and you're just like really struggling with something and you have this, you have this sort of, inclination to just like fight with it for an hour and a half it's like it's usually not the best thing to do if you you know you stick around for a little bit and maybe you want but after a while just just call it a day and come back with fresh eyes and sometimes it may turn out that you don't even need to solve that problem it can literally give you night sweats like you can you go to bed and like you can't sleep or you're tossing and turning and then you just sort of let it go and then three days later it's like oh yeah yeah it's just know, a really simple way to do that and a lot of times what would happen is so we were back and forth between here with the whiteboards and then back in, in my office sitting at the computer, kind of pair coding kind of thing. And whenever we would get stuck and we'd start like drawing stuff on paper and well, ah, you know, if you have this and if you go up the graph and prerequisites and then da-da-da and I go, all right, whiteboard, 
whiteboards. Let's go. And so we go back up there and we start drawing. And one of us would be up the whiteboard drawing, the other one's lying back watching. I'd be like, and it would like always become easier with when you put up on the whiteboard. Because when you pulled yourself away from the keyboard and the code and you just think, let's just think about this in really basic terms. And I don't know. I've just been a huge fan of huge fan of whiteboards. I've always been a huge fan, but now it's like it's just it just they've they've proven themselves over and over again. And um it was funny too, I and I think I probably talked about this in the show is the is the power of collaboration. It's like and I look back and I think like the best stuff that I've done in life have just been in collaboration with somebody else. And uh I was like I was telling the lunch, I was like, I don't I just I, I would definitely not have been able to do this on my own. There's no way. Like this this was a two person problem at least. It just lots and lots of back and forth and lots of trial and error and lots of just all over the place. You know, it just took so many different types of thinking to get it, to pull it all together. Because you would just, it would have seemed so intractable, uh, so intractable, so complicated that you would ultimately have just kind of thrown your hands up and say, ah, you know, it's just too much. We're just going to do some really simple thing that really doesn't do what we want to do. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I mean, working with Alex from Modern Teacher, Whenever we code together, it cuts two days into about 10 minutes, you know. Right. Because you just, like, get to the better solution. So anyway, back to this. Back to this. So, so you got all the algorithms done. So now, now we're just the point of integrating everything with the existing code base, which that itself is going to take a couple weeks of work probably. Um, but the other thing we worked on just today, because it's like, you know, one thing I've been wanting, one thing we've, we need is a better way of visualizing the prerequisites of the knowledge graph. And remember how I told you I built like a, a simple viewer so you could just see like a few nodes, like, you know, two or three, three, three layers. And then layers. it pulled in the rest of the data when you clicked it? Yeah. So you showed me that. I did. What, what we really need is we need something where you can see a lot more at one time. You're not just so zoomed in because you're so zoomed in. It's kind of sometimes hard to have a lot of perspective. Um, or this perspective you need. And I was like, you know, there's got to be a way to do this. And I said, I had Justin, I said, just go do a little recon, see if you can find a library out there that'll figure out how to lay out this acyclic, directed acyclic graph called a DAG in a way that is clean and makes sense in the way we want to view it. Because when we would try and lay these graphs out by hand, you know, hand, you'd get something that would graph them and then you'd have to drag everything around so they're now crossing each other and and uh, looking really complicated. So we, um, and I guess that's called putting it in a planar, it's a planar graph when you can, when you don't have any crossing edges. So um, he found a library and it's great. He came over today and for, in two hours later we had it all working. I mean, it's like D3, it's in visual, and was it, it's called, oh God, VizGraph or something and D3. And, um, yeah, it looks like it's going to do everything we want to. We, we were kind of stressing it out. And so... So did you do test-driven development then? Is that what I heard? No. Okay. Test-driven development, you write all the tests first. Write the tests then, first. Okay, so you didn't do that. No, okay. no, I don't, I, don't, I don't do that. What we did do is once we had the... out, So we had kind of a few tests. We would kind of do going through it manually at first. I built like a little web page where I said, click here. Okay, so they... They come in, they pass this assessment, they fail this, they pass this, they pass this. Okay, where do they end up? What's it recommend that they do? And that got kind of tedious after a while, but also I wanted something that would go through a huge suite of them and we just know everything that we had gotten it to work was working, obviously. And so, you know, we built all that out. And so 
Well, like, how do you do that when there's so many infinite combinations? Like, how do you know what the um, what a good what well, a good bunch of tests are? Well, it's like think about it this way. Think about it like like how can you build something that tests your ability to uh, a car steering well if there's so many different roads? It's like well, you can turn left, you can turn right, you can go straight. There's a roundabout. There's only so many different types of situations. Okay, and so that's what we did. Is we built all these sort of crazy situations that would test. Okay, what happens if? Did it go right? Did it go left? Okay, did we? Kind of thing, yeah. Okay, so we passed this. We went up here. Is it going to explore these these unknown nodes? Is it going to recommend this? And so we had to figure out. We had to had to stress it in all these different ways. So anyway, we got it all working. So that's just, that's really exciting so now we just like i said integrate it so that's been a huge anyway so that's what's going on with this system so we're trying to get all the content ready you know the school you're starting in a couple years i mean a couple i mean a couple weeks so we have to get all that ready yeah so finished up the bridge course so we had about oh six, yeah six or seven kids do that so i'm waiting to find out and see if they i guess we had six kids test and we'll see which ones of which of them qualified Hopefully mm. all, but maybe not. Um, then uh, that's awesome. Yeah, and I I, I taught I, I finished teaching. I don't talk about this. I finished teaching my summer class a couple weeks ago. It, it, was that the bridge? The, the, no, that was the intro to proofs course. Oh yeah, yeah. You have mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah. So we finished that, and it was great. On the last day, I had, um, or second the last day, we had like an open house where the parents came in for, but they only came in for ten minutes. So was that by design, or they just yeah didn't no, stay no, 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 no 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 it's like ten minutes in each of the classes so it was okay so you don't have much to show them usually I guess the, the teacher would get up and say yeah this is kind of what we're doing and this is what they've learned and yeah whatever and I was like you know I'll I can just do a little one minute explanation of what the course is but I think what really would be cool is having the kids having one or two kids get up and do a proof mm -hmm. like work a proof out and I had uh, Justin and Celeste get up and do that. And they'd each, and the day before we had, we had done some proofs and I said, all right, you know, these are, these are proofs that they had solved individually. And I said, here, I want you to just kind of talk, talk us through this proof. And so they went up, but I said, you only have like four minutes and they did it. And can you just give us like a snippet of what that might look like? Cause I don't know what a proof is to so just give a basic example of what it means. Rather than saying what it means, just do an example. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think of something I can do that won't be incredibly tedious to listen to. Okay, I'll do the simplest thing I can think of. Yeah. It, like, let's say that I want to prove that if I um, if I add two odd numbers, I'll always get an even number. So three plus three equals six. six. Right. One plus one equals two. Five plus five equals ten. Seems right. Yeah, but there could be examples where it doesn't work, right? Okay. So let me give an example where, it does, where we're doing this work. So would you say that if you double a number, it gets bigger? Yes. Uh, ah, not if it's negative. That's right. Okay. What right. about if we square a number? But 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 how do you do? A well, hold on, hold on, hold on. What if we square a number? Uh, well, again, I don't. If it's negative, it's you square a number it gets smaller. It's bigger. I don't know about square. Negative two squared. Number two times negative two is four. So it's bigger, right? right. So you say okay. that's true? Uh, yes. Except maybe. for zero. You square zero, it's still zero, right? So okay. you can't so you can't prove that something is true by just doing a bunch of examples. Even if you did a trillion examples. Okay. There could be an exception. Because I could do I could double every number from one to a billion and say, right, but I forgot to do negative numbers. Well, then how do you do a proof? 
So what you do is you have to use the definition of what that number is. So if an even number, an even number would be two times an integer. So an integer being like one, two, three. So let's say if I multiply any number by two, that makes it even. That's the definition of an even number. If it's if and if an integer times two, and an and I won't go through why that's true as a definition, but that is a definition of an even number. But how is okay? How is that proof though? No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not doing the proof. I'm just telling you what the definition is. Okay, so I can yeah. do the proof. Okay, an odd number would be two times an integer plus one. Okay. 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 So you're. I'm already losing you. Yeah. Already losing. You're kind of spacing <laughs> out on me. Okay. That's why I said. Say so. If I said, if I said, let's say I have one number, it's two n plus one, and another number is two m plus one. Yeah. And if I add those together, I get two n plus two n plus two. And is this the simplest proof two, example? Oh yeah. This is the this is the very very first proof that I would do. Oh my god. And you factor out a two, and it's two times, and it, you know whatever. So okay. yeah, proofs are not an easy concept. There's a lot of underlying logic. And structural things that you have to learn. There are, you know, at least four major categories of proofs. So how you can do it: and direct, indirect, contradict, uh, contradiction, um, induction, and then and then each type of proof, whatever kind of proving, it has its own sort of a kind of feel to it. There's almost like but a why style is it proof? It. Like how how does it become a definitive proof? Because you start with a a a, a clear definition of something that has a very specific concrete mathematical meaning and you use nothing but um, logic and proven mathematical operations to arrive at another yeah. statement that's true. And you're trying to, if I'm saying to say, I start with X and I'm trying to prove Y, I start with X, I do a bunch of stuff through logical deductions and therefore I arrive at Y. You can see that that would always be true. I mean, so, I could walk through and do it some more. We could, it may take so as, 15, long as, the, as long as none of the steps in the middle end up as false... They're all true. Everything is a logically sound deduction. But don't you have to then prove each one of those things? Well, you have to, you have to, yeah, you have, well, you don't, you would, I guess you would call it a, each logical step would be, I guess, a mini proof in a sense. But if, everything has to be a, okay. a true statement. Everything has to be true. That would be done correctly, yeah. And if you run into something that's false, then, you know, you've got it. Found it I mean, I, I sort of vaguely understand it. It, I mean, but, I could explain it to you if we had fifteen or twenty minutes, and you couldn't. If you could imagine, wait, no, I don't vaguely understand it. I vaguely, um, I think I have the general direction. I did. I knew nothing about it before. Now I have a general sense of how right. it, so, of what you're so doing. So these get, you know, proofs can be hundreds of pages long. Jeez, you know, oh my gosh. I mean, not most of the stuff that you would see in like college or something, but like you know, like a professional mathematician may might but, do and, proof but, that's that's tens or hundreds of pages long I'm trying to wrap my head around the motivation for doing that like what's the motivation for writing a computer program that's hundreds of pages long right you know many people look at them but like why would you write all this code why why are you doing i guess this? it's like what's the motivation for writing a poem or something it's right what's like, the motivation for doing yeah anything? yeah you know right. it's it's like somebody wants to determine if something is true is mm. this true or not and is the only way we can determine this true is through is using um concrete mathematical was there Specific ever a mathematical definition, well-defined mathematical definitions, and um, and uh, logical statements? Logical Was there ever a, a proof logic. that someone did that sort of sent shockwaves through the mathematical community? Happens all the time. Oh yeah, happens all the time. Okay. Well, there was something just recently I read about where people thought something wasn't was likely wasn't true, 
like all the all the examples anyone could construct everything is like this is probably not true and then you know or, or vice versa and then the guy came around and he proved it actually was true oh there was a thing on hacker news about wolf wolf rant wolf ram alpha from alpha uh writing an obituary about a guy who'd come up with this number um like 1.41 yeah i think about uh, leibniz and 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 you're talking he, about, you're talking about uh, Godfrey Leibniz. I think so. And, and, and he co-invented calculus. And he, he said he said in the in he said in the article that people had proved him right. You know that, but he sort of intuitively come up with this. Yeah. Uh, this weird number that always seemed to be involved in a whole bunch of different equations. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just to, just to talk about one, I just want to mention one more thing about why do mathematicians do what they do? Why is that important? Yeah. You know, it's like, why do physicists do what they do? It's like, you know, a lot of times at the, at the scientific community, people who just, they're in the business of just figuring out what's true. That's what's important. It's just pushing the frontier of human knowledge forward. A lot of times there's not going to be a specific like outcome that's going to help anyone for some time to come. I mean, but inevitably it does. Things that things that Einstein figured out, like all this relativity stuff, like it's just so abstract and crazy. I mean, you know, satellite communication, all this stuff, that's all impacted by that. You know, all these things that we do, relativity definitely impacts things. Um, you know, and that happens in number, all this crazy number theory that was invented in like, you know, 100 years ago that they thought was just nothing but like, you know, just sort of almost like poetry for the mind or something. It's like all the encryption, everything is based on that. You know, I mean, and you'd say that's that's more important than the vast majority of anything that anybody else is doing, you know, and, and you know, the math never becomes untrue once it's true. When you find something is true, you discover something that is true forever. I mean, that is universal. That's interesting because um, like I was reading an article. God, I wish I could remember what the title of it was, but talking about how newtonian type laws are sort of classical mechanics classical mechanics are true but then you sort of get down to the the quantum level mechanics yeah and then it's sort of it's very hazy and barely anything's true mm -hmm. but somehow it becomes truer the closer it is to reality yeah. sort of like so i just wondered there. does that apply to math in any way that type of aspect i you know there's a guy named chayton who would talk about like entropy mathematics and there's some sort of he would apply like laws of entropy or something and he had some interesting things to say about that as well um you know but that's getting really deep and dark in mathematics it's not right. that's not something i know much about but um yeah i don't know i mean at the end of the day too it's like people do things because they get hooked on a problem and they just won't figure it out <laughs> yeah right like i just want to know i mean you do that all the time we work on stuff at the end of the day you just pick something like this is what i'm gonna do i'm gonna build this thing in a sense, it's kind of arbitrary. Why are yeah. you solving this problem? It's just because I'm on this problem. I want to build it. I want to get it done. And in math, is research is exactly like that. Like someone says, do you think this is true or not? And you start thinking about it. Like, I don't know. It seems like it would be true. Wait, how, how can I show that? And you start experimenting. And they get, and sometimes it takes days, weeks, months, years, or a lifetime to find answers. It's like to that kid who, um, I was reading about this recently, who went, when, when she was nine, she you know, going into toilets, the hand dryers, just like, it was really painful to her ears. She got kind of obsessed with it and then started measuring it. And now she's like 22 and is doing like a, like a PhD about this, about, you know, how kids, how kids ears are really damaged, you know, just couldn't let go of it. Couldn't let go of right. it. Right. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, right, you know, people get hooked on problems for all kind of reasons. But, um, you know, in a sense, it's just, as long as you're doing something, right? You know, and a lot of the do something, you know. Um, Anyway, so enough of the proof. So, but one thing I was going to say about that proofs class is about a couple weeks in, I was actually a little depressed about it because I started thinking, like, I don't know if these kids are really learning this stuff very well. I mean, I, I was successful teaching it to Colby and his crew back when they were in sixth grade. But, you know, I, I actually did that not every day, but, you know, once or two days a week, uh, days a week over a period of four or five months or something. It's like I got 19 days. with no, no, I can't sign a homework. This is just 19 days of class time. They don't have to really pay attention to try because it's just all just they're either they signed up because they wanted to or mom or dad signed them up. And so it's like, how do I how do I make this happen and i got a little depressed about it but then it was funny but it came out the other end i got pretty excited because they actually did learn it most of them i mean there was a there's a range some learned it really well some somewhat and others not as well but the couple of kids that learned it the best really learned it well and it was amazing and i had to give this demo i was i'll show a video of this one girl and i swear it was almost like you know i just i asked her let's just go up look you have four minutes just go and just talk us through it you Prove it again and just explain out loud what you're doing. And she does it. And it's like you're watching some like 26-year-old like postdoc or something just talk about a proof on a board. You're like, she is incredible. I told her, I'm like, you know, you should uh, you should consider becoming a math professor or something, you know. And, and it's funny, the girls who are at her table. How old all, is she? Well, the, and the girls next to her are all nodding vigorously like, yeah, she's great <laughs> at explaining stuff. You know, and I was like, yeah, I'm like, seriously, you really, you got it. And how yeah. old is she? Probably thirteen. She's she's fourteen. She's gonna going into eighth grade, so she's she was really really impressive. Um, but uh, so I came away from the class feeling really good about it. Um, Do you think um, that the reason why you've got such a large number of kids in math academy is because we're near JPL? Has zero to do that. I don't think we have hardly any kids of, if at all. Or Caltech, like his nope. parents. Whose parents are like really clever, smart. No, people. no. In fact, we just had another article in the uh, Washington Post about us a week or two ago. Did I say it? Yeah, yeah, I read it. It's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, and there were some comments like, well, you know, that's Caltech and JPL and it's an affluent area. It's like, actually, 60 some percent of our kids are on free and reduced lunch. Yeah. It's not wealthy. Cause, like, but that doesn't mean that their parents aren't part of Caltech. Yeah, well, I'm going to explain. So, I'm just saying the district, just to understand that 60% are, are on free and reduced lunch, economically disadvantaged. Um, close to 50% of the students in, in, this, in this area go to private school. So they've already opted out. So this is all the upper middle class, dumb class kids have just kind of opted out. They've, they've, they're not part they of pulled, They pulled the ejection button. They're all family. They're just, they've been to private since K, since kindergarten. Okay. And, and a lot of the JPL parents, so JPL is actually located right in La Cunada. So there's a special exemption for the parents at JPL that they can have their kids go to La Cunada school system. Well, La Cunada is, is a very homogenous upper class socioeconomic area. So the vast majority of them all send their kids to La Cunada. They all go there. So, and they're not Math, math Academy. I mean, yeah. I, 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 you know, if there are any math academy kids, if there are any kids in math academy who whose parents work at JPL or Caltech, I'd probably count them on one hand. I don't even know so of any. So what we're saying is, is you could roll, if, if you had the manpower and all the PhDs, you could roll math academy out 
across the entire nation and you could yeah. have millions of kids do completely different level of math. Maybe not millions because it still takes, you still have to have an aptitude for it. So well, maybe mil- the top- Millions out of the pool set. What's that? Millions out of the whole, I mean, okay, well, hundreds of thousands Yeah, for sure. a lot of kids. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, absolutely. And that's what I was saying. If, if we could do it in Pasadena, like nobody has, an, it's like, what's your excuse? Right. I mean, you know, we, we, we don't have, we've had severe budget cuts year after year. You know, we have all these challenges. Well, and their excuse is going to be, we don't have Caltech. We're not a place. Well, that's what they say until, yeah. they, until they know better, until they find out, oh, like, that's not an excuse because that we don't have that either. The, you know. do, you, do, do you have a path to a second district somewhere away from here? We actually have. So after that last um, article, a number of different um, uh, people have contacted us from other districts, some parents, some districts, some private schools. Wow. We've had some people we've been in contact before, so it's it's definitely something that's in the water. I mean, people are are interested. Of course, getting getting Math Academy in your uh, school district is is not a small undertaking. No. You know, it takes a fair amount of political will, um, you know, bureaucratic effectiveness to make it. You happen. need to be a horse like you. That's right. That's so right. Maybe, to, maybe there are a couple of other horses out there. Well, what you really what you so it'll be vastly easier than us doing it because we had to invent everything from scratch and. And we had to, and it was nothing was proven, and there was a lot of questions about it. Now we can have the entire program figured out, like how do you identify kids, and what the curriculum is, and how you um, uh, recruit and hire instructors, and how you, you know, everything. Like yeah. it's all done. Like it's yeah. just paint by numbers. And mm-hmm. um, whereas us, it was just like, so what are we going to do about this? And so what are we going to do about that? So and, what would be your prediction for when the next district somewhere off the other side of America might do this? I don't know. It won't be this year. It's too late, but maybe next year. Maybe oh, next year. It'd be super exciting. Maybe next year, yeah. You know what would be so I, cool would be if there was a solve between like... Multiple having a... Yeah. We, we, we've always talked about that as solve if you had like a regional solve and they had like a, you know, had like a local solve and they had one that was like, you know, more regional or state or something. Yeah, I I haven't been a super big hurry to do it because we're still nailing down... Still figuring it out. Yeah, it's like, you know, would it be cool to have it grow really quickly? But it's like, you know, we... Our our most adv- our pilot class is just going into sixth grade. Slow is fast. Okay, where is that from? Is that I, something I don't you know. If it's from so, I don't know. It's from somewhere, but it, it makes you, sense. No, no, it's from you because you said it about um, Envy Co Club. Oh, I did. Okay, you, I remember you making that statement. <clears> so, yeah, I think you sometimes you just some things you're just only going to go as fast as they're going to go. You know, and it's like if you rush them, you might end up creating more problems. It's like the further we get along in the district, the more we've just figured things out. We know what we're doing. Um, you know, we can give better. Inst- we have a we have a better program to 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 export. You know, if we tried to export this two years ago, it would have been much more difficult because we just hadn't figured stuff out. You know, and mm-hmm. it's like we keep getting smarter. But at a certain point, right? You okay? Well, we've it's sort of asymptotic. It's like we're getting pretty close to like we've nailed down what we're going to do. Like the thing, a couple of things that we're doing going to do this year is one, you know we've really mapped out all of our math standards to the common core standards. So we can say, and then, so I come in and say in sixth grade, we are covering exactly these 30 modules. And we're going to have formative assessments that we're going to take online on the system at, you know, say the last week of of October and the second week of January. Everyone's going to take it. Mm-hmm. And so, because so, last year, you know, we had people, we have destructive classes kind of going in slightly different directions. People are just kind of, you know, doing their own thing. And that's not good. 
But once you have all this stuff figured out, which we're only doing just now, it, everything's much more structured and, and consistent and that maintains a certain level of, you know, standards. But the, um, you know, I mean, that's just, that's just one example that's important. Do I you think. have any more clarity about when your first course might be released? The general public? Yeah, so it's just, it's been really frustrating because, um, you know, I initially, you know, when, I, when we were talking about this last few shows and I was like, well, I'm just going to have this basic thing that's going to go through and, you know, it's going to grab the next two assignments. It's going to, we're going to redefine the assignments and stuff. You're going to do a, su a super simple, you type in the, like a, like an array structure and then that outputs a course or something. Yeah, I, 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 I ended up going away from that just because, it just, I don't know, just didn't, it just, it wasn't flexible enough. It didn't, and so what I really want to do is say, okay, we create a subject and what we do is they can take, you know, an incremental assessment. This thing will, is, this, we have and that's this, the work that you've been doing yeah, this right sort of here. A artificial intelligent tutor that sort of incrementally assesses them because kids are all coming in at different levels. They have different backgrounds, different levels. But of that's so knowledge. exciting. If that really does work and that's what you're releasing with. Okay, so yeah. let's say that's what you release with. When would that be? I hope it's a matter of weeks now because I'll just say weeks because I've given two presentations in the last month to um, uh, different math camps and we've just got tons and tons of emails from it. parents who want because yeah. yeah, I mean, if you're sending your kid to a math camp, then their kid is a probably really into math and pretty underserved in math. And so the parents are all frustrated because they fly in from all over the country to University of Mexico, University of Colorado, wherever they are, and they would do a week of, you know, intense math. You know, that's, that's, that's a sweet spot for us, you know. And they're like, and I get emails from parents. I mean, some parents are like, well, you know, our son is going into sixth grade and he's starting to learn algebra, but, you know, it, the Khan Academy only does X and this only does Y. We'd really like to you know, this sounds great. Or we have some, oh, my daughter's nine, she's doing calculus. And we, you know, it's like all these crazy things. People are all over the place in terms of what they want to learn and where they're at. But our system should be able to facilitate that. Let me ask you a question. Did, did I, I talked about last week about the, the or last show about the Catalina. Yeah. Yeah, the Catalina Re presentation. Remind me. Was that the one where I was caught on, I had to get the presentation from Catalina? Tell me more. So I <laughs> said, you don't remember? Well, maybe I didn't talk <laughs> I, about I, I need more info. Okay, so so I was scheduled to do a presentation. Uh, there's two camps, Camp Epsilon, Camp, camp Epsilon or something like that, and uh, Epsilon Camp and uh, Camp Resand. And I was back and forth, and they were changing dates, and maybe we could do it this day and that day. And I kind of got them mixed up, and I thought they were both at the end of June or something, and I just hadn't really added them to my calendar. They were just sitting in my inbox. I was like, oh, i got to just you know, get these you know, once they're settled, I'll put them on the calendar. And um, so we, uh, it, uh, our niece was visiting and Sandy's like, well, we should go to Catalina. No, you didn't. She's you didn't here. Okay. So it, she's yeah. like, we should go to, we should go to Catalina, you know, before she goes. Cause you know, we were trying to do as many fun things as we could around LA, go to the planetarium, go see a Dodger yeah. Cubs game, that kind of stuff. So um, we went to Catalina on, I was a Saturday or something. And, um, we're sitting down to have lunch and I get a phone call from Leanna and she's the uh, mom who was organizing the presentation at Campersand. And I'm like, and I, and I see her call and I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to deal with this right now. I just want to eat lunch and I'll just, maybe I could just call her back tomorrow or something. Yeah. But then I was like, you know, I'll, I'll answer it. And she's like, Hey Jason, 
sorry, we're running just a few minutes behind. Can you give us 15 minutes? I was just like, holy crap. I'm supposed to give a presentation right now. What'd you right? do? I'm sitting in a restaurant in Catalina. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so I'm like, yeah, you could have 15 minutes. <laughs> so I, I'm thinking, I don't even have my headphones with me. So all I have is my iPhone. So I end up just going finding a park that was kind of near there. It was Catalina's kind of noisy because you have all these, um, of course, there's a lot of people there, but of course, there's all these gas-powered golf carts, carts huh. and he's like bzz, buzzing around. So you know where huh. you go, there's carts buzzing around. And, I was, and so finally I found this, you know, I sat on the steps in this park kind of overlooking the ocean, and uh, I just sat there with kind of my elbows on my knees holding the phone, the iPhone, <laughs> I do an hour presentation to these parents, and I was just like, I am so sorry. I just got everything, get the days messed up. But uh, it ended up going fine. That's it good. It actually worked really well, but it was just like, it was funny because when I left the restaurant, Abby, my niece, turns to Sandy and goes, she's like, oh, I hope hope is, uh, I hope is, it works out. And Sandy goes, well, if anyone could pull a presentation out of his hours, it's Jason. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, funny. So it actually all worked out, but they went, they, you know, they all went kayaking while I was doing that. But, uh, yeah, so then I gave another presentation last week. And so I think that'll, like, generate a lot of our early beta users. I think there's nice. probably somewhere in the 10 to 20 really enthusiastic people. You're just ready to use it. Who are like, you know, because they're trying to figure out, like, what can I do, you know. And I had this one guy come and visit. He was a parent at the first conference, and he happened to be in L.A. about a week or week or so ago. We can, I mean, a week and a half ago, and he's like... Hey Jason, do you mind if I like? It's like, was there any way that I could meet? We could meet up for coffee. I know this is the last minute, and so I was just like, you know, sure, let's, you know, we'll we'll meet. And he's like, I just want to ask you more about what you're doing and everything. And he turned out to be like a fellow tech guy. He was mm -hmm. an entrepreneur residence at like Sequoia, and oh, nice. he's like a Rhodes Scholar and has like a who's I guess his you know was at Oxford getting his PhD in math or something. So he's <laughs> like a pretty heavy hitter. So I was like. Okay, yeah, sure. And so we end up spending like, we go to lunch, and then I'm like, you know, rather than me just telling you about it, there's a TA session. You want to go and meet some of the kids and talk to some of the parents and stuff? And because he, it's always like, oh, yeah, yeah. So then we went there and spent like hours talking to everybody. And so it was really interesting, though, because he's like, he's like, has a kid. His son is young though. It sounds like going in fourth grade or fifth grade and is super advanced, like doing calculus and stuff. So he's, he's trying to figure out a solution for his own kid, mm -hmm. but he's also like, Hey, like, he's like, I was part of, he's like, I was part of this group of people that were brought in. It was like a bunch of the big, like the Gates foundation and the, was it the Chan Zuckerberg kind of educational initiative it's like i don't remember what it's called and then there was like a another one i think it was emerson one i think steve jobs wife and they're all like they're bred in all these sort of like people like him who were big in math and education and technology and they're like help us think how do we put our money in where do we put our money to move the needle education wise mm. and and they were kind of like everyone was supposed to go out and look for something and try with ideas and he's like this is by far the most interesting thing i've seen <laughs> Yeah. He's like, I've never seen it like this. This is really, he's like, not only is it just really out of the box and it seems to really be working, but you've actually proved it out. You've yeah. actually done it. So he's like, he's like, you know, he's like, I hope you don't, you know, I won't do it if you don't say it. I won't do anything if you say not to, but I, 
I have, I have, he's like, I don't know these people directly, but I'm like one step removed and I can introduce you to people. That'd be amazing. You know, if you, and you were like, uh, no, no, that's fine. That's fine yeah, too. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, well, so we'll see where it goes, but it was, again, it was sort of the luck surface area kind yeah, of that's thing, you know, 100%. I was thinking that, you know, um, it's like, you know, I went and I, I, I agreed to speak at these camps, which was in some sense kind of a pain. I was like, oh, I really want to do this, you know? And then it was like, guy reaches out and you want me, yeah, I'll take time out of my day and we'll go be, you know, it just. It's almost like a, a multiplier of the, of the success of Lux surface area is how painful is the thing to do? Yeah. Well, as I say, the, the saying, the obstacle is the way. <laughs> right. You know, it's the, yeah. Well, you know, you just, as a technologist, you know, you just really get so just comfortable just building. Yeah. Creating, and you don't want to do anything else. And, uh, but you have to, you gotta, you gotta meet with people and talk and write and do all that kind of stuff. For instance, so like, I've had a few people contact me and everybody's like, hey, can you send me a write-up about what you're doing? And I was like, oh, I gotta sit down and spend a day writing a big. Just read the Washington thing. Post, man. Yeah, well, I actually gotta write. Like, how does the program actually work? Or like, there's a <laughs> bunch of parents waiting for the beta. It's like, oh, could you please talk to us about what the beta program is gonna be? And I'm just like, oh, that's you know, to be able to work. Yeah, you know. But um, anyway, but it's everything's everything's moving forward. I mean, you know, we have two new math instructors, or PhDs that we hired. They're getting ready. I just met, I had lunch with both of them the last couple of weeks and they're going to be awesome. And, uh, the system and the content has gotten way better since last year. So that's going to be good. We have like at least 75 kids, I believe have registered for next year, sixth graders. Awesome. Yeah. But, um, could be more once the actual registration, you know, once school for after first day of school, um, so that's all going really well, and um, it's great. I think I mentioned too the ninth graders are going to take uh, calculus-based AP physics next yeah. year. Yeah. So that's happening. So that's really cool. Um, and then us again, it's just getting this algorithm in, and you know, getting the site launched. And you know, I keep talking about it. it's close, but it's just you know how it is. That less. You're gonna get, you're gonna do it. Time. You got it. It's in the bag. Well, we should wrap this sucker up because. Uh, do you you have to leave right now? In a few minutes, you have like one more thing. Uh, one more thing. I mean, it might be too long, though. What is it? Um, it was a tweet. That, it was a, a tweet uh, thread that this um, this uh, CEO from India posted. Okay, go ahead. About 10x engineers. Oh yeah, 10x engineers <laughs> are this, and they they don't go to meetings, and they don't. It was like it was almost like work, the man they, from uh, they, you know. They work all hours. And they don't work in the mornings, <laughs> and it was just like this pattern matching against like well. I'm sure there are 10x engineers who like that, <laughs> but those are not necessarily the attributes, the requisite attributes of a 10x engineer. It was just like, so he, it's the way that he sets it up as well. He's like, you know, one of the most important things as a, as a CEO is you need to be able to spot 10x engineers, like, but they're very elusive creatures. How do you find them in the wild? You know, that's the way it was set up. And then it's like, these are the 10 things. Yeah, but it's funny. Those things were so... <laughs> it's so weird. It's like they're superficial attributes, you know, and it's they're on stereotypes. Yeah. But, you know, and... and, and 10X know. engineers hate meetings. They think of it as a waste of time. They probably do. I think obvious I, things are being discussed. I, they had 10 meetings because the manager is called. And I think no, that's... No other reason. I think most highly effective people lean that way. They're mostly like, you know, meetings are generally inefficient. And they're generally not a good use of time. 
Sure. 10x engineers only work in the office when no one else is there. That's ridiculous. <laughs> they, they, they don't like to work when other people are there and they're late night coders. Uh, some of them. Some of them. A 10x engineer's laptop screen is black. <laughs> okay, 10x engineers use Vim. They not, always, not Emacs. They always change defaults. Their keyboards, such as IFX, are usually worn out. The, yeah, they, they, they use uh, spaces, not tabs. <laughs> 10x engineers, space, you know, it's like... 10x engineers know every line of code that's gone into production. Now... I'm just break. thinking about you, and you're probably a 10x engineer, and I think maybe oh, I am, well, but I, I just don't think. You know. Well, here's the thing. I mean, and then the, then the reaction, of course, is people's like, oh, there's, they hate the idea of a 10x engineer. There's no such thing, and it's all about process and people and team, which is also bullshit. Because the reality is, whenever you have well, almost anything, but definitely people, there's going to be a normal distribution in terms of their overall effectiveness. Okay. It's just what, it's just how humans are. And you're going to have people who are exceptionally effective and a small number of high, super effective people. And you're going to have a very small number of people who get zero done. Right. And you have a lot of people somewhere in the middle. Right. And, and, and that's just how the world is. And, you know, what do you want to call them? 10 X engineers or whatever. But, you know, there are definitely people who are exceptionally productive, not just because, they're like dialed in and have great uh, focus, but and do they just are they just really smart at solving problems? But they're just you know committed, dedicated to the dedicated to it. You know, ten X engineers can convert thought into code and can write new product features on their own in six hours. Six hours. So he's going from person. He's like has someone in his brain. He's like one or two guys he's known. He's like, yeah, that guy's a ten x, and so they're all like that. That that that's that's a product. This is the, this that's is, a side effect of having too much too small of a sample space. This one is this is really ridiculous. Ten x engineers rarely look at help documentation. They know it all by memory, and that's what's really interesting. Is my experience of ten x engineers don't know shit. They're just really good at googling. They just find the information. They they just think. Oh, didn't I see something somewhere one time? And then they try and Google it, and then they're like, "Oh, yeah, 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 that's how you do that." Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think that's too. I think both both of those statements are extreme. I think ten anyone who's effective makes very quick use of Google and Stack Overflow. They keep a lot of the stuff that they need to know in their head at all times, or that is useful. They just know, but you know, there are. But when they do don't need to know something, they're able to find it quickly. All right, we're just halfway through the list, and I know we need to wrap up the show, so maybe we'll open the next show with uh, the final What's five. What's a 10X engineer? The final five notes about what makes a 10X engineer. Okay, that's good. That's a good topic, though. I like it. All right, that's a wrap. We're out.